Hello, and welcome to episode 191, all about the adventures of Tom Bombadil, being the 191st part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of Tolkien for the first time, and I've gone just about as far down that rabbit hole as I want to at this point, and now I'm doing whatever I want. (laughs) Welcome to this week's episode of Where in the World is Mike Schubert? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is a joy to be here. I'm currently recording from Copenhagen, Denmark. This is the first time I've ever been here. I'm currently on tour with Potterless and the News Olympian, and I'm glad to hear you've reached this point with Tolkien that I reached with (laughs) Harry Potter, which was once you finish the main stuff, you kind of have free reign to do whatever you want to do. And it's very freeing. And for me, it timed really well where I was getting into fan made material just as JK Rowling was Mm -hmm. being really transphobic on Twitter. So then I got to feel still okay about the content that I was doing while I stuck around for a year to put her on blast every single episode for a year. And then I was like, okay, now I'm gone. So yeah, I'm glad you've reached this point. This is the fun like, yeah, let's do this. And uh, I think it's great. Congratulations yeah. on reaching this point. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I, I would say I I technically reached that point um, uh, at the beginning of last year. I had finished okay. The Hobbit and The Hobbit movies. Uh, and then I started doing like a whole bunch of random stuff, actually some of which I will, I will bring up. And then I started and then I read The Silmarillion, okay. um, which was more for saying... I read the Silmarillion, then I actually wanted to read the Silmarillion, but that fully broke me. And so now officially I'm ah. like, I'm not reading any more of Tolkien beyond this little book of poems called Okey The Adventures Nokey. of Tom Bombadil. Yes, which uh, <laughs> I am excited and was excited when I was offered to cover this as your guest for these ep- for this episode. And uh, I'm now starting to see the light of why Kelly, my wife, who I think we discussed this when, when we were on the pod way back, mm-hmm. when I was like, yeah, Tom Bumble seems great. She's like, you're only saying that because of his yellow boots. And I was like, yeah. And now and? after reading these poems, <laughs> I can kind of see it. Because once you get past the yellow boots, it's uh, not as much fun. <laughs> see, uh, I I enjoy that he is just um, his own person, you know? He, sure. he He's yes, just yes. kind of floating around the universe doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. like, the rest of the world is just along for the ride, you know? And they really I, are. I can respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I wanted to bring on someone who had shown previous interest in Tom Bombadil rather than someone who would be like, Tom Bombadil is like the worst or whatever and just you know here to i don't know have a little bit of of silliness partake in that (laughs) i'm here for it and i think this is the the perfect situation for it because i have no full knowledge of tom bombadil like i have not read the actual books i've seen the movies i've even seen the extended editions so my knowledge of tom bombadil basically starts and ends with this i know a little bit just in terms of how he's supposed to be really powerful and all of that. That doesn't really seem to come through in these poems, which I was thinking Mm -hmm. that it might, but nah, he's just kind of, just kind of vibing. Just lots of, lots of vibes in these poems. Yes. Lot vibes, good vibes only truthfully. Um, It's funny that you say you don't really know much about Tom Bombadil. I would argue that after reading these poems, you know more about Tom Bombadil (laughs) than a lot of people do because. All right. um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll get into it now. Who 
Is Tom Bombadil? Great yes. question. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Bombadil is, as Tolkien described himself, a mystery and an enigma. Uh, after Lord of the Rings, people would write to him, and in published letters, he says to uh, a, in a couple different places, he doesn't see that there is much point in philosophizing. I don't know how to say that word, but that's what I think he you wrote. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> philosophizing about Tom Bombadil uh, and that he preferred to leave Tom as a mystery because in mythology, there are parts of the story that are just enigmas with no explanation. See, that sounds a little bit like when writers take the easy way out. And I think that there's some more guilty of this than others. And sometimes it can be thematic, but I'm thinking of sometimes when the narrator in a YA series will say, it was so gruesome, I couldn't even describe it. Or it was so confusing, I couldn't even describe it. Or we made it through and I don't even know how. It's like, I feel like you probably do. And maybe you could try. So I Mm -hmm. feel maybe that's a way of being like, oh, Tom, you know, some things are just better left unsaid. Like, no, you've created the character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, that's where I kind of, I, I, I do kind of agree because... My personal opinion is that Tolkien wrote Tom Bombadil and was like, I'm just going to put in this chapter about this like random character who mm-hmm. wears yellow boots and rescues our hobbits. Um, and they have quite a trip at his house. And then later he realized, oh, no, I kind of made him low key, all powerful. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just like a spirit of the woods. Um, and. I, I can't have that exist in this story about like needing to destroy and you know a, a giant evil power, mm-hmm. um, and so his explanation later on uh, when our characters uh, at some point in the book in the Council of Elrond. One of them says something about, why don't we get Tom Bombadil to help us? Mm-hmm. Um, and Gandalf says, oh, he wouldn't be concerned about anything beyond the borders of his forest. He would just get bored and like get distracted and leave. He wouldn't want to do this. And that and was his explanation. <laughs> that's something actually I was talking to Kelly before doing this episode just mentioning, you know, her thoughts on Tom Bombadil. And she was saying, and whether Tolkien meant this or not, it is an interesting thought where you have someone who has the ability and the power to truly make a difference, but they don't because they aren't (laughs) concerned, which I think speaks highly of some of the other characters where they have the power to help and then they do, or even in some cases, people are in over their heads, but they have the desire and they want to help even though they don't have the same power as someone like him would. So I think in that lens, I can kind of see it as an interesting way of saying, look at these characters that you love, look at the people who actually put in the effort to save the world, even though they are not magical, yellow booted, feather hatted Mm -hmm. spirits of the forest, they're still fighting it through. So yeah, let's show some, let's show some more love to the folks from the fellowship that we know and love. So in that lens, I think it's kind of nice to use him as a way to make us appreciate the characters that we already love. Yes, absolutely. Great point. Yeah, so I would, uh, if it weren't for the fact that Tolkien does explain essentially every other detail in this universe, (laughs) um, like in a way that uh, I I tweeted recently that one part of 
uh, of being a Tolkien creator that is a little disappointing is that there's not really room for fun theories mm. like there are with, say, Harry Potter, where... Yeah. Whether on purpose or not, there are just kind of like gaps in the story and they're not as um, thoughtfully filled in <laughs> sure. uh, by the author. <laughs> um, but that does allow for like fun fandom things to come about. And not to say that there aren't fun fandom parts of Tolkien, but it's kind of like you can't really theorize too much because in some footnote of a letter that he wrote to like his neighbor's second cousin, <laughs> there is an explanation for whatever you're theorizing about. It just seems that Tom Bombadil is the one exception to that. And, and Tolkien apparently claims that is on purpose. Then honestly, maybe I do believe him. I think that's, though it has some lack of interest in terms of your angle of being a creator in the space, I do think it does avoid the thing which I found frustrating when I was doing Harry Potter stuff. It is fun to theorize for some of the things that are left open-ended, but I think sometimes it can get into the territory where people were giving J.K. Rowling way too much credit. Like, people would come up oh, with yeah. these incredible fan theories, and then they'd be like, I bet J.K. Rowling was thinking this. It's like, no, she probably no, wasn't. she wasn't. <laughs> A lot of times she just forgot stuff or the plot made this change and all these sorts of things. Like you thought of that on your own, give yourself credit. I don't think that J.K. Rowling needs to always get credit as this master genius. I, I don't think that's the case. And I uh, think that at least you don't have to have that with Tolkien yes. where he's explained stuff. So, you know, what did he think mm -hmm. of? What didn't he think of? And you know what? After that explanation, maybe he did really mean to leave Tom Bombadil ambiguous. And I don't, yeah, I, I don't, part of the plan. I don't know. I know. <laughs> So Tom Bombadil, the, the idea for this character started as early as 1931. Um, and actually, I should have looked up when was The Hobbit published. <laughs> um, but this was definitely, okay, 1937. So Tom Bombadil came to him as a character before even The Hobbit was written. Wow. Um, he wrote him into a poem uh, as he was kind of apt to do based on his children's toys. And there hmm. was one of his kids' toys named Tom. And so he wrote a poem. Uh, I don't know if it was like specifically for his children um, or if it was like, oh, that gave me an idea for a poem that I'll write mm -hmm. on my own. But um, he, he wrote a poem uh, about Tom Bombadil and it was published in February of 1934 in Oxford Magazine as The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of his first appearance, his origin stories. Um, and then later on, after the publication and success of Lord of the Rings, his we, we have Tolkien's Aunt Jane Neve to, to think for this, uh, Aunt Jane was writing to Tolkien and expressed, you know, interest in Tom and said, I think this would make like, like, do you have any other stories about him? I think it would make for a great little, um, a great little Christmas present if you published a book where Tom Bombadil is like the main character. Um and Tolkien wrote to his publishers who were naturally like, hey, Lord of the Rings did great. Got any more ideas? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, actually, 
I was, uh, it was proposed to me to do something with Tom Bombadil. And I think it would make for a really nice book if it was paired with illustrations from Pauline Baines. So that's kind of how, how this came about. Uh, they, they thought it would be like a, obviously not a, um, a cohesive story and Tolkien did have a lot of uh, as he did he has to have an in use uh, an inverse explanation for everything okay and so to him he was like I can't just publish a book of random poems that I wrote they have to connect to to Middle Earth somehow there has to be an explanation for why this book is being published in relation to Middle Earth um and it wouldn't even be a like he couldn't even do like a you know like I just want to make a children's book and here's a completely different thing like if it had any kind of connection to Middle Earth he's like I have to explain why it exists in the universe. I can respect that. I like him trying to keep everything you know in in line, have all these different ties. On the flip side, I do find it funny, and that just makes me wonder if this will ever happen. Just one of those things where some particular creator becomes so famous that. Anything they do becomes published, whether it's letters or in, I guess, our case now, later and later with emails and text messages. It would be weird if it was like, oh, yeah, one time this famous person that happened to be friends with Mike Schubert, like one time sent this email and then it's like put in a museum and it's me, you know, making a bad joke or something. Mm -hmm. And then it's immortalized forever because my friend became a world famous movie producer. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah, I would love to uh, read some like. Actually, no, I take that back. I take it back. I didn't even say it, and I already take it back. I was going to say, <laughs> I would love to read some tweets from Tolkien, but seeing oh, how that went for another author. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No, I still stand by my statement that I'm glad Tolkien's dead. But it would be fun if it was like, <laughs> Tolkien wrote this passive-aggressive note to someone who kept parking in his driveway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I haven't gone into... Uh, th- there is a book of... Tolkien letters Mm. Um, and I'm pretty sure there is a lot of uh, passive aggression about stuff in those letters Um, in particular I know there I know he had some kind of commentary on in the I think it was in the 60s or early 70s there was an attempt at a first Lord of the Rings movie script Mm. and it was buck wild to say the least Um, and Tolkien it, it was sent to him or something or somehow he read it and he had a lot to say uh, mm-hmm. about it. Um, and so like stuff like that, I know has been published, cool. but um, I think, you know, you kind of said that jokingly, but I do genuinely think anything that Tolkien wrote, uh-huh. w- people either have published or there are deals to publish it in the future. <laughs> Tolkien's grocery lists brought to you by, Penguin Literally. House. <laughs> <laughs> um, in November of 1962, this little book of poems called The Adventures of Tom Bombadil was published. Um, and Tolkien's explanation for these poems, that in, in-universe explanation, is that um, these are stories that Bilbo and Sam would have written in the Red Book. So okay. the Red Book is what... Bilbo wrote his adventures about the Hobbit in, um, and then later 
He continues it in Rivendell and eventually uh, I think he passes it on to Frodo and then Frodo, they get home from the ring and everything and he completes their story. And when he leaves for the Undying Lands, he leaves the book behind for Sam to continue writing in. So that is the explanation for what these stories are. It's kind of like little folklore stories that are being told in the Shire um, and that's how the the so there's the book The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, which has all these different it has like a whole bunch of other poems and stories in it. And then there's the poem The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. And then a poem after that one is called Bombadil Goes Boating. Yeah. And so those are those are the the poems that deal specifically with Tom Bombadil and that we will talk about today. Um, but first, who is Tom Bombadil? Well, if you were to ask Goldberry, his wife, she would simply say, he is, because that is what Frodo asks her. And it's a very frustrating answer. Um, they're very vague about like who exactly this insane man is. That's kind of like Loki kidnapped them in the middle of the forest and been like, nah, everything's fine. I'm a jolly fellow. <laughs> Here's my hot wood nymph wife (laughs) river nymph (laughs) aren't we having a grand old time um so yeah frodo first asks who is tom bombadil and she just replies he is Uh and then kind of goes on to say he is the master of wood water and hill Mm -hmm. and then tom bombadil later says about himself speaking in himself like in third person sure sure. so take that for what you will as you do as one does yeah uh tom was here before the river and the trees tom remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn he made paths before the big people and saw the little people arriving he was here before the kings and the graves and the barrow whites when the elves passed westward tom was already here before the seas were bent He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless, before the Dark Lord came from outside. So this goes, his history theoretically goes all the way back to uh, what is essentially the creation of Arda, which is the the world that Middle-earth exists in. Okay. And theoretically, he has been there since the, the first coming of the Dark Lord Melkor, um, who eventually has a a servant named Sauron, and then Sauron obviously becomes our next main villain. So is Tom Bombadil showing up in all the prequel stuff that's coming out, like the Rings of Power and all nope. of that? Or okay, he could have been. He was around, but he's not in. The yeah. So story. that's um what I, <laughs> and I think there are some other people who desperately want to see Tom Bombadil in the Rings of Power <laughs> show. Um, it would be really, really great. Um, there, There's a, a plot line in the first season where a character crashes to Earth in a meteor. And oh, some people... Let's go. <laughs> um, some people were theorizing at first that it would be Tom Bombadil. And throughout the first season, he's just called, he's just referred to as the stranger. Yeah, it's like the big guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but 
spoiler alert, by mm-hmm. the end of season one, it's learned that he is a wizard mm-hmm. and it's implied that it's Gandalf. Mm-hmm. I think there's a small chance it could be Saruman, um, but it is not Tom Bombadil as yeah. I was like, that's gotta be him, right? That's Tom Bombadil. Yeah, I didn't watch this intently, but while Kelly and I were traveling through New Zealand of all places, she was watching the Rings of Power and I just was glancing at it from the background and stuff. And I knew it was designed very much. You're trying to guess who is who. And she was very early in on guessing that this guy was Gandalf. And spoiler mm. alert for anyone who hasn't watched the show. But right away, the guy who turned out to be Sauron, like first kind of episode with him in it, I was like, this guy's way too angry. This has to be Sauron. And the guy was like, ah. <laughs> And then as it went on, she was like, I think, yeah. And then it turned out to be him. So I felt very good just by like, I paid attention to one scene and I was like, he was really angry. I think that might be the bad guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this guy who just like suddenly snapped after mm-hmm. being mildly provoked and absolutely That's exactly the scene murdering, yeah, murdering people in an alleyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was <laughs> Maybe like, he's I, a bad guy. I was like, yeah, I mean, I could get being upset, but I think he 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 certainly uh, that was that yeah, far. that was definitely kind of the first little I, I would hint. say first official hint to mm-hmm. his real uh, identity. Sure, yeah, I would really love it if they incorporate him into the show but because Tolkien you know said I prefer to leave him as a mystery and an enigma mm-hmm. I-, I feel like they won't want to touch him because Tolkien wanted to to leave him alone or something I, I don't know sure. um so so that's kind of, that's kind of why you know everything that I just read those little like passages from the book and like these poems, this is the information, the collective information that we have about Tom Bombadil. Got it. Got and it. now you know as mm-hmm. much as I do. <laughs> I am the forefront, foremost expert tied for first with you. Yes. <laughs> so now uh, jumping into these poems, the first one, The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, um, just kind of following him throughout his day in the old forest. Loki just like being harassed by people who just mm-hmm. like need to mind their business. And that's also kind of the the um, theme of the Bombadil Goes Boating poem as well. Um, so the adventures of Tom Bombadil opens with, uh, I-, I think this would make like a, aside from maybe the ending with Goldberry, I think mm-hmm. this would make for a great little children's book, you know? Totally, totally. The whole vibes certainly felt like it. Yeah. Old Tom Bombadil was a merry fellow. Bright blue his jacket was and his boots were yellow. Green were his girdle and his breeches all of leather. He wore in his tall hat a swan wing feather. He lived up under hill where the withy wendell ran from a grassy well down into the dingle. Old Tom in summertime walked about the meadows, gathering the buttercups running after shadows, tickling the bumblebees that buzzed among the flowers, sitting by the waterside for hours upon hours. It really is good vibes only with good this vibes. man. Just yeah. vibes. Just <laughs> absolutely vibing. Big nature boy. You love to see it. Yeah. Um, oh, and actually, uh, that was something that I uh, forgot to include in, in my notes, but Tolkien originally described 
Tom Bombadil as like the the spirit of the disappearing Oxford countryside. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so big, uh, so hit, so like, you know, Tom Bombadil like coexisting among nature definitely mm-hmm, like kind mm-hmm. of goes along with that theme of like appreciating nature and then Tolkien in real life is, you know, watching uh, it, it disappear as it like gives way to industrialization and modernization and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, yeah, especially if he was writing this in 1930. Right, right. Um, So Tom Bombadil is looking into the river and then all of a sudden comes up Goldberry, the river woman's daughter. And she kind of like teases and splashes him and gets his hat and, and boots all wet. And then she and then Tom Bombadil says, like, leave me alone, go to sleep. And then she goes back under the water. Mm-hmm. Then Tom Bombadil is kind of hypnotized uh, by the old by old man Willow, who is a tree. And this is actually the same tree that uh, do- he does the same thing to the hobbits in the Fellowship of the Ring when Tom Bombadil comes and saves them, where he he sings and it kind of lulls Tom to sleep, and then he like engulfs him in his trunk and roots. Mm-hmm. And then Tom Bombadil like wakes up and is like, now you let me go. And then he does. So this is kind of where I guess we were learning that Tom seems to have uh, just uh, like Goldberry said to Frodo, he is a master of wood, water and wind or something. Sure. (laughs) Whatever I said earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets released from the tree. He's on his way home when it starts raining and he tries to take refuge in a badger hole. And then um, a family of badgers kidnap him and drag them into their tunnels and he's like now you let me out and they let him out and then he goes home and finds a barrow white hiding upstairs now i don't know if when tolkien obviously so he wrote this first he wrote this before the hobbit and before lord of the rings in the lord of the rings and later uh, in the appendices, actually, we learn more about the Barrowites, and okay. they're more—they're way more sinister and creepy. Mm. And then they there's just like one casually hiding upstairs in Tom Bombadil's house. So okay. I don't know if he, if Tolkien like knew that you know a Barrowite would later on become this like really creepy uh, kind of like ghoul goblin thing. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, okay. That's now I have to kind of like reset uh my reading and mm-hmm. imagine this is because I when I was reading this, I don't know what this thing is. Uh certainly certainly not exactly what I had pictured. Uh, need to ramp up the fear factor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and like you wouldn't th- there's no way that like anyone reading this, you know, without having read f- uh fellowship or like these specific details that like this is see this is where i'm like oh i've become the people that i (laughs) used to get annoyed by (laughs) where i'm like i know all these minute details look but it's part of the process of doing this is that it's not about knowing the details it's how you share them and i will say that the way you just shared them was not very well actually it was just a well actually which is a you know it's a key difference when you have the pause after the comma (laughs) Yes, yes, that's a great way to think about it. Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, I just posted um, an Instagram reel where I, I was kind of doing that. I was like, oh, well, 
<laughs> I almost said, well, actually. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, fun fact, mm-hmm. you know, in the book, this is how it happens. And let me share it with you because I enjoy it and I want other people to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Barrow Whites, way back before, uh, way before the events of The Hobbit, even, there were big, ba- oh, this would have been before the first, like, War of the Ring, uh, before the prologue okay. of fell, uh, of Lord of the Rings, where they're having that battle, and and what's his face, Sauron's finger gets cut, so- right, cut right. off with the ring. Yeah. So that, ha- that has yet to happen, and so there's still all these, like, battles and whatnot happening, and then um, kind of in the land over near the Shire, uh, there's a battle and a bunch of men die and they're buried there. And then Nazgul, the the witch king, actually, I think, comes over and like curses that land. Okay. And so the Barrowites are these like cursed beings that uh, I can't remember if they were if they're if the Barrowites are actually the men that were buried there or if it's just like ghosts around this like burial ground but it has like a much darker history than it does in this little poem where uh he he comes upstairs let me find it um (laughs) where he comes upstairs and he he, yeah he opens the door and it says whoo tom bombadil look what night has brought you i'm behind the door now at last i've caught you you'd forgotten barrow white uh, you'd forgotten Barrow White dwelling in the old mound up there on hilltop with the ring of stones round. Um, so that's kind of the that's okay. like the graveyard burial, whatever. He got loose again under earth. He'll take you. Poor Tom Bombadil. Pale and cold. He'll make you. So that's definitely V creepy. But yeah. he also opens with whoo, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> now I've caught you. <laughs> Um, I guess you could also imagine it as uh, the Babadook. <laughs> uh, I, I have not seen the film, but I am familiar with the uh, queer icon, the Babadook. Yes, so. the Babadook. Yeah. Shout out. Shout um, out I also, Babadook. yeah, I also actually have not seen it um, because I started in my adult age, developed into a wimp when it comes. to Oh, sc- yeah. I just, <laughs> I've just always been that. So, uh, it, yep, that's why I never saw it. But I'm happy with the result. Yeah. The Babadook is Apparently. Now. The movie is actually a really beautiful metaphor for grief. So I'm sure the it more is, you know. <laughs> but you know, I will just let other people. But um, have you've that seen the. Uh, I I I know like the general premise is that it it's this like children's storybook and then mm-hmm. like the Babadook like comes to life or something. Right, 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 something like that. Yeah. Again, just like with all the other people, Tom Bombadil tells the Barrow White to leave, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does. Um, and then I think, yeah, I think that's kind of like the end of that. Um, then he, uh, on the next day, he goes back to the river and calls up Goldberry. Yep. And this is the part where I'm like, mm, maybe it hasn't aged well. Um, <laughs> uh, so he went and caught the river daughter in green gown, flowing hair, sitting in the rushes, Singing old water songs to birds upon the bushes. The bushes. Yeah, it's one of those. There there are a couple of those. The old old church rhyme thing where Mm -hmm. it's spelled the same, but it is not said. Like, you can't rhyme again with refrain, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But also worth noting, he is British. 
Uh, we are American, yeah, okay. so maybe yeah. you know certain British, you know, dialects. Yeah. Other things rhyme when valid, they valid. when they don't with an American accent. Of course. Um. Anyway, he caught her, held her fast. Water rats went scuttering. Reeds hissed. Herons cried, and her heart went fluttering. So that's pretty alarming stuff. Uh, context around like her him getting her. It says he caught her. Yeah. And then. Reed's hissing, Heron's crying, and her heart is really beating fast. Not a great start. I was confused because (laughs) caught is certainly bad, but usually fluttering is is good. So I had the back and forth of, is this, does she she want this? And we don't really hear from her until like the very Mm -hmm. end where she's like doing her hair or something. So yeah, I read this whole poem being like, is she cool with this? I don't know. Can we get her side just to make sure? Because yeah, I had the same question. Yeah, so of, that's um. I hope yeah, it's okay. exactly, exactly. Um, it, it's the kind of thing that I don't think when Tolkien was writing this, um, good God, nearly a hundred years ago. That's Yay. crazy. <laughs> Time is <laughs> terrifying. Time is bonkers. Um. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think when he was writing this, he was like, I'm going to have this be like subtly terrifying. I think he wrote this and was like, oh, how romantic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he says, here's my pretty maiden. You shall come home with me. The table is all laden. Yellow cream, honeycomb, white bread and butter, roses at the windowsill and peeping round the shutter. You shall come under, you shall come under hill. Never mind your mother in her deep weedy pool. There you'll find no lover. Um, so he does kind of paint a nice picture like, hey, come mm-hmm. to my house. I, I have like right. amazing food to eat. There's flowers everywhere. You're going to have a great time. Um, forget all about your mom. She's dead to you now. <laughs> right. And again, this was like, let me hear from the other side. Does she mm-hmm. hate her mom? So is this actually a really nice thing? Is her mother really rude? Maybe Tom's doing a great service. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. And, and we don't know because the next line says old Tom Bombadil had a merry wedding. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they, they, the, the context that we later have in Fellowship of the Ring when the hobbits encounter them is that they're having a pretty peaceful domestic life. Good. So it has a happy ending and Goldberry seems to be very happy and loves Tom Bombadil and he loves her, but also (laughs) like how much, you know, agency was she given in the matter? Let's hope (laughs) a lot. (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah uh towards the end yeah the the poem ends with hey come dairy dull merry dull my darling sitting on the doorstep chopping sticks of willow while fair goldberry combed her tresses yellow okay yeah willow and yellow definitely don't rhyme <laughs> nah but as i was reading this i was thinking this is a very lengthy story that still does tell a coherent for the most part, story. So mm-hmm. to have to rhyme every line, you can give a couple of passes. It's pretty I think hard, it's yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that is the adventures of Tom Bombadil. And that is also kind of like the origin stories of of Goldberry and like how did Tom Bombadil, you know, they didn't have, oh, although Tom Bombadil for sure would have been on Bumble. Oh, I mean, look, right off the get bat, it, when he was it. tickling okay, anyway. those bees, I was like, power to you, man. I guess bumblebees <laughs> aren't as dangerous, but, you know, good for him. I don't know if you're on TikTok at all, but sometimes I'll get videos of um, people, like like companies and people. It's like a, you know, like a save the bees kind of a thing. <laughs> and they'll get calls to people's houses where it's like, hey, a swarm of bees have set up a hive in our 
like grill that we have outside that we haven't used. And so there are all these videos of them just like sometimes with bare hand, like they use bare hands all the time and they'll just like scoop up a pile of bees because they're looking for the queen bee. Oh my Uh, goodness. It's, it's actually really fascinating, but they, they, uh, their goal is to like conserve and, and save the bees rather than like, fumigating or you know killing them or something so they'll like painstakingly break off as many pieces of the hive as possible and then like put it into a box and then just like with bare fucking hands grab up like a thing of bees and i'm like how do you not get stung like so crazy yeah really really impressive um tom bombadil actually would probably be all for that oh Um, hell yeah he's all he would have a bee saving company i feel like completely um, and then the next, uh, little poem is, uh, Bombadil goes boating. Yeah. And again, kind of, yeah, like I said, kind of this theme of, uh, people like annoying Tom Bombadil and then him being like, why don't you leave me alone? Mm-hmm. And they're like, right. okay, I guess. It seems like a common theme. And I wanted to make sure that that's actually what was happening and not me just having like poor reading comprehension. But I was like, it seems like this guy's life is mm-hmm. getting captured by people that he doesn't want to be captured by. And then he says, please don't do that. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this poem was originally called The um, the Flitting, the Flighting of Tom Bombadil, F-L-I-T-I-N-G. And mm. flighting refers to a contest of insults, often in verse. All right. And I was All like, right. that makes that- sense. Like context with this poem yeah. makes so much sense that because makes... it's a lot of uh-huh. him encountering people and then kind of like telling them off. Yep. Um, and uh, Tolkien later said about this, Tom's uh, ri- another word that I need to look up raillery, rallery. No or, idea. Let me see. Raillery. Good humored teasing. Okay. Oh, there we go. Cool. Um, so Tom's raillery is here turned in jest upon his friends who treat it with amusement and then in parentheses tinged with fear. <laughs> and I feel like the tinged with fear thing is really important. <laughs> yeah, that's a key addition to put in there. <laughs> yes. So it starts with Tom Bombadil being like, wow, what a beautiful day. I'm going to take advantage of this beautiful day. And he fixes up his boat and is like, I'm going to see where the river takes me. And we'll just, you know, see what happens. Yeah. Um, and along his journey, he is taunted by several creatures and people who are like, what are you doing? And Tom Bombadil's like, mind your own business. Yep. Um, it starts off. Uh, it starts off with a little bird who's like, "I'm gonna go tell Old Man Willow that you're leaving." And then Tom says, "No names, you tell tale, or I'll skin and eat you." Babbling in every ear things that don't concern you. If you tell Willow Man where I've gone, I'll burn you, roast you on a willow spit. That'll end your prying. Yeah, that um, felt like a bit of an escalation. <laughs> Yeah, so that's where I kind of go back to this little quote from Tolkien who's like, yeah, he is turning this amusement upon his friends in jest. And I'm like, that doesn't that, sound I, like I hope they joke. understand this is their friendship <laughs> love language because, yeah, when they said that, I was thinking, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty And it's like, like right violent. at the beginning. I was like, Tom. Yeah. 
so the uh, again just that tinged with fear in parentheses mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. love it it helps um so uh then he is going down the river and he encounters a king's fisher yeah. and somehow he acquires a tall like from the fisher i think he like dropped it or i don't know whatever um a new tall blue feather that he uses for his hat so this is important origin story of the feather yes because tolkien needed to explain (laughs) as he always does he's like if i don't put in every single little detail this entire universe will fall apart now i need Um, to know the origin story of the yellow boots (laughs) Right? Where did he? Yeah, Come exactly. On. So uh, you'll no- you'll notice that in the first poem, The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, or maybe, yes, okay, I said it. I was like, or maybe you won't notice mm-hmm. it if I didn't read it. Right. Um, it describes that he is wearing his hat with a swan wing feather, but in The Fellowship of the Ring, his description of the hat oh. has a tall blue feather. Okay. And Tolkien was like, I have to explain why he had a swan feather Amazing. and why after centuries of life, the feather might have changed. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> um, so he replaces the the feather on his hat with this tall blue feather. Um, oh, and actually also, you'll never hear so much background information about a feather but this is tolkien <laughs> originally it. he wrote it as a peacock feather but ah. decided that a peacock would be too fantastical of a creature to be existing in middle earth he didn't think it would make sense for a peacock to be in middle earth okay look i've seen the movies and i've also <laughs> seen peacocks and yes they are magical but i feel like they would fit in just fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, the world has dragons, the world has balrogs, the world has elves. Mm-hmm. He draws the line at peacocks. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess back in the day. <laughs> so much color. So, um, so he continues on down the river, and then some otters come swimming up, and they're like, mm-hmm. where are you going? We're going to, like, tip your boat over. And he's like, no, you're f- not um and then they swim away and then he encounters a swan who is actually who appears to be the swan that he got his original feather from Uh and this swan is very pressed that he took one of uh his old feathers then he starts going into uh like uh shoot what's the name of this i think i think it's buckland is uh the area of the shire that he Mm -hmm, is in mm -hmm. he's going down the brandywine river um and he encounters some of the hobbits um who who live nearby and they're all kind of like shouting at him um from from a distance and they say where tom will shoot you dead with our bows and arrows we don't let forest folk nor bo- uh, bogies see this is confusing for me because i just read board of the rings which is a very raunchy parody ah and the hobbits are called boggies uh that'll that'll trip you that'll trip you up so anyway um we'll sh- uh, we don't let forest folk nor boggies bogies from the barrows cross over brandywine by cockleboat nor ferry and then uh tom fat shames them <laughs> not great not great but you know Little it's almost a hundred years old so yeah <laughs> 
Um, again, I like to think uh, I like to think of the hobbits as being like pleasantly plump people rather than like being like you little fat bellies which is what Tolkien calls them um and he says I'll set the uh I'll I'll call the orcs on you that'll send you running um also the use of the phrase uh horny oh I realize there's a type there's a typo in the link that I sent you a horny goat Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um I first read that phrase horny goat and I forgot for a moment that goats have horns um so yeah, I was now when confused. i read horny goat i thought of and i don't know if you've ever been to a gas station in the southern united states but they do have horny goat weed uh which i just don't ever touch it's like from those oh. weird like dispensers where they have like funky you know uh fun i can't time say i've stuff. ever noticed that and i live in the south so yeah it's just every now and then road trips you go in and it's like do you want to buy some horny goat weed? horny goat and weed no i don't know what that's gonna do to me so i'm gonna mm-hmm. just pass on that. that's a good uh that's a good judgment call yeah mm-hmm. good for you thank i think um, i think i've made some good choices that being said the horny goat weed could also very well exist in the Shire. Right, but at least that, you know, if in that context, <laughs> I would feel like it would be fun and cool and stuff, and they would put in their pipes and, you know, whatever, but not in a grimy bathroom in Texas. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Hard agree. Um, so Tom Bombadil kind of like laughs them off, um, but we later learn that they did shoot him because he has arrows stuck in his hat. Yes. <laughs> So again, I call into question this, like, you know, lighthearted teasing amongst friends that, Who that Tolkien amongst says. amongst us has not fired out? You know, maybe they're incredibly good shots and they were like, ah, we'll hit him just in the hat. We're that good of aim <laughs> that we're not actually going to fire projectiles at our dear friend Tom Bombadil. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then he gets out of his boat and reaches land and he runs into Farmer Maggot, mm-hmm. uh, who is also a character in the in the Lord of the Rings. I think in the movies, Pippin and Mary run into Sam and Frodo because they have been stealing from Farmer Maggot's farm. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that I think that's his like appearance in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um and then in the book, I think they just kind of like run into him and they're like, directions to <laughs> Mordor? And he's like, I don't know, but maybe try the forest or something. <laughs> so Farmer Maggot is like, once he, Tom is like, what, you don't recognize your old friend? Um, and then invites Tom to his house with the rest of his family. And they have a pretty good party, it sounds like. Lots yeah. of singing and dancing yeah. and drinking. Fun times. Yeah. Um, and then Tom and Farmer Maggot have like a conversation. And then the next morning, Farmer Maggot wakes up and Tom is gone. And there's like no trace of him because the rain has come and like washed away his footprints and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's the kind of thing where it's like, did I just did I just like hallucinate that all mm-hmm. of that happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was that real? Mm-hmm. And with Tom Bombadil, you never know. Never. You can never tell. It's so magical. It could be a whole thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a later thing and it was just anything that ever happened with Tom Bombadil was all a dream. And you just kind of have to be like, yeah, mm -hmm, checks out. Yeah. And so Tom Bombadil has disappeared without a trace. His boat stays in the river where he had gotten out. And eventually after a couple days, the otters and the swan drag it back into the river 
And eventually they know that Tom will come back and find the boat. And that mm-hmm. is the end of Bombadil Goes Boating. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm glad that you recapped the plot and I am confirmed in what I thought was, did a whole lot happen? And the answer is, nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I was worried that my reading comprehension skills were slipping, but nah, it's just... No, you, it's you just do, in fact, know poem. how to read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. It was very reassuring. I'm glad. This is this is really therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we have... Uh, finished our dive into the Bombadil cinematic universe. Oh, love it. Oh, <laughs> man. So good. And and you know what? It's funny because they are obviously making more and more Lord of the Rings stuff and they've announced they're going to make new movies and they're doing mm-hmm. the prequel thing and all of these other sorts of things. Eventually, I feel like they're going to do it. Like eventually they're going to do the gritty Tom Bombadil yeah. adaptation. <laughs> um, oh, and actually that does remind me, I wanted to uh, mention earlier that as it as it stands, the only time that we encounter that we have seen Tom Bombadil uh, on a, a screen in like a cinematic or a film adaptation mm-hmm. is in the 1990s Soviet era adaptations of Lord of the Rings. Wow. Okay. It's a fever dream, and I didn't expect anything less from soviet era uh (laughs) like made for tv lord of the rings this makes me think of how the only instance aside from the books of ludo bagman in the harry potter universe is the playstation 2 quidditch through the ages video game it's the only visual (laughs) representation that we get of him so you just get Mm. this weird semi-pixelated playstation 2 graphics polygon version of him and that's just like aside from i think the illustrated versions of the books like before they released those for a long time that was the only canonical representation of this man outside of the books yeah yeah again i would love to see tom bombadil be adapted uh by amazon or warner brothers let's go let's go let's Um, make it happen i do believe um it was just recently announced that there is going to be a new uh, set of Magic the Gathering cards and their Lord of the Rings. Ooh. Um, and the art has been released for a lot of them. And uh, it, it's like really wonderful because the art shows that Aragorn is black. And I think <gasps> they also made Eowyn black. Fun. Um, Let's go. So like that's great. And also it's really beautiful. But I was also like, where's the Tom Bombadil card? I know nothing about, I know absolutely nothing about Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. But But give me the card. Give me the card anyway. Give me the Tom Bombadil card. Does it just like, does it make you win everything? I would imagine. But only if you care. Only if you truly care, which he doesn't. (laughs) That's true. Actually, I bet the card is like, this character could help you to win this entire game but is useless. Sure, yeah. <laughs> this card lose a turn. would help you, but he doesn't feel like it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where we stand on the the Bombadil adaptations. Um, yeah, the the, the end. The, again, like I've said, you now know as much about Tom Bombadil as the Lord of the Rings fandom. <laughs> this is great. This is very good. I feel alive. I feel wiser Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i'm glad that i can now bring this information into the universe and you know finally contribute to society yes exactly um i was very glad to to be able to visit these poems finally because 
when I was doing my first read through and you encounter Tom Bombadil, you're like, who is this man? And there's such a vague explanation. And then people said, oh, well, there's a poem called The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to do that. Maybe I'll have more insight into this character. I'll I'll learn more about him. Um, And sure, we read him. (laughs) Yeah, we did. We did. Look at us go. Um, so I can, uh, I feel confident saying that, like, I officially did uh, as deep a dive into Tom Bombadil, which was my original goal. So uh, check, check. I can now end the podcast. This is the last episode. <laughs> Happy to be a part of it. Let's ride off into the sunset wearing yellow boots. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me for this silliness and everything. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, a whole bunch of places. You can find me the person on my personal website, which is shubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S. That's where you can learn about some of the podcasts that I make, such as The New Olympian, which is a Percy Jackson podcast, or Meddling Adults, which is a podcast for charity where we do a competition to see who can solve mysteries from Scooby-Doo and Encyclopedia Brown and classics like that. Got old episodes of Potterless as well. Horse, if you like funny basketball stuff, and Modern Muckraker, if you want something very different where... I did a scripted investigative journalism show and asked hard-hitting questions such as when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? So you can mm. learn all about that on my website. And then if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at shoop17, so S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7. Awesome. Um, I think it's a very valiant effort that you are, uh, that you you have a podcast dedicated to those mysteries such as Encyclopedia Brown because I babysit a third grader who she is very smart and she like she was reading Harry Potter like in first grade and in mm-hmm. kindergarten and she reads Encyclopedia Brown and whenever I go over we read a story and then she asks me to solve it and I'm like <laughs> they're so fun Encyclopedia Brown mysteries are so fun because it's all just one tiny detail and mm-hmm. that makes reading them such an interesting endeavor because anything could be the reason that the entire case gets cracked by Encyclopedia Brown, or it could just be a fun flavor text and you never really know what is the actual little thing. And it's so fun. Those books are phenomenal. Can't recommend them enough. They're (laughs) such a joy. They're such a joy. And then you can learn weird information because some of the solutions are just, yeah, you're just supposed to know that ducks don't have esophaguses. And that's why the person who said he brought a duck to space was lying. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that sounds very much like uh, the uh, podcast that is one of my favorites, Hey Riddle Riddle. A classic. And, and we've had them on Meddling Adults. So, boom. Full oh, my circle. God. Perfect. There yeah. you go. But, yeah, it's that same, like, contempt for riddles where it's like, how was I supposed to know that? That's not fair. <laughs> so, that's what I'm talking about. Cover art is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod. You can follow the podcast on social media at TolkienAboutPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support That's What I'm Talking About, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different levels of support that are available. As always, you can join any level that is so meaningful and special to me that you would want to show your support for this podcast. Um, But as always, there's a little extra love for our sponsors, such as this week's sponsor, who's brand new, Candice. Candice, thank you so much 
for becoming a patron and for wanting to support That's What I'm Talking About. Um, whether you are listening to this now because you listen to the episodes as they come out or you're listening to this years in the future when you have finally caught up with everything because you started from the beginning, I appreciate your support. It really means so much. And as always, if you like what you're listening to, please make sure to rate and review. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have any parting words for the audience? My parting words would be whenever times are tough and you need a spark of joy in your life, just pull up the scene in the two towers where Legolas skateboards down the stairs on his shield because it's the greatest scene in all of cinema and it will never be topped ever by anything in the world. It's so good. It's so mid-2000s. It's perfect. I love it so much. And that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) 